Good morning and welcome to Shouts of Grace. This morning we are continuing our 10 lessons. And of course, we are to lesson number nine already. And of course, that means that tomorrow will be the final lesson in the 10 lessons. And then it will be time to start a new series, to start a new series. So I should probably be thinking about what we're going to be doing for the next series. I mean, that's probably something that that I should be thinking on at some point in time. Uh, to go and to figure that out. No, we've got a lot of different options, just kind of have to narrow down what we want to do. In fact, uh, for the month of June, which is coming up uh, sooner than what most people would probably think, I, I believe I want to spend some time in the book of Psalms. And I'm kind of toying with a couple different ideas as to how to do it. So uh, a few months ago, we went through the book of Proverbs, and Proverbs has 31 chapters, and we did it in a month with 30 day, or 31 days. Well, Psalms has 150 chapters, and June has 30 days. So, in looking at that, I'm kind of thinking that we might be going through Psalms together, but I don't know that we're necessarily going to be reading all five chapters a day, but I might be uh, just doing a devotion out of those five, picking a key chapter to read, and encouraging you to read those other five chapters of Psalms, and I will post them um, there in the uh, in the in the post uh, right there uh, that that you get on Substack. Um, I think that's the direction that we're going to go once we get to June. That means we're going to have to find kind of a mini series between. T- uh, the end of tomorrow or two days from now and June. And so uh, that'll be kind of interesting to go and to look at. I've just got to kind of see with all the different series that I have, what will fit in that time frame. So um, just some exciting stuff with that. Uh, also want to give a little bit of an update, making uh, quite a bit of progress here on the first um, ebook that we're wor- that I'm working on. And so excited about that. Um, still, still have some work left to do, but, uh, the process is working out kind of the way that I thought that it would. And so that's a good thing. So I believe that we're still on schedule, uh, for getting that out sometime here this summer. And so I'm excited about that. I hope you're excited as well. But today we come to lesson number nine, and I should probably tell you what the lesson is. The lesson is, is that simply put, you need to look for approval from God. Find your approval in God. Find your approval in God. But before we get into that lesson, we're going to read Ecclesiastes chapter 3. Ecclesiastes chapter 3, continuing our scripture reading through Ecclesiastes, and it says this, "...to everything there is a season." a time for every purpose under the heaven, a time to be born, a time to die, a time to plant and a time to pluck what is planted, a time to kill and a time to heal, a time to break down and a time to build up, a time to weep and a time to laugh, a time to mourn and a time to dance, a time to cast away a stone, uh, stones and a time to gather stones, a time to embrace and a time to refrain embracing, a time to gain and a time to lose, a time to keep and a time to throw away, a time to tear and a time to sow, a time to keep silence and a time to speak, a time to love and a time to hate, a time of war and a time of peace. 
What profit has the worker from that which he labors? I have seen the God-given task which the sons of men are to be occupied. He has made everything beautiful in its time. Also, he has put eternity in their hearts, except that no one can find out the work that God does from beginning to end. I know that nothing is better for them than to rejoice and to do good in their lives and to also that every man should eat and drink and enjoy the good of all of his labor. It is the gift of God. I know that whatever God does, it shall be forever. Nothing can be added and nothing can be taken from it. God does it that men should fear before him. That which is has already been, and that which uh, what is to be has already been, and God requires an account of what is past. Moreover, I saw the sun in the place of judgment, wickedness was there, and in the place of righteousness, iniquity was there. I said in my heart, God shall judge the righteous and the wicked, for there is a time and there is a purpose, and for every work I said in my heart, Concerning the condition of the sons of men, God tests them that they may see that they themselves are like animals. For what happens to the sons of men also happens to animals. One thing befalls them as one dies, so dies the other. Surely they all have one breath. Man has no advantage over animals, for all is vanity, all go to one place. All are from the dust, and all return to dust. Who knows the spirit of the sons of men, which goes upward, and the spirit of the animal, which goes down to the earth? So I perceived that nothing is better than that a man should rejoice in his own works, for that is his heritage. For who can bring him to see what happen will happen after him? You know, this is an interesting passage of Scripture that we just read from Ecclesiastes chapter 3, and what I'm always reminded of is um, uh, Pastor Mullenberg from the from the Revolutionary War in this, because he was using the first half of this uh, this text for a sermon, and of course, where it goes and it says, a time, a time for this, a time for that, and it gets to the end, and it says, a time for peace and a time for war, and he was part of the uh, Black Robe Regiment, and so what he did was, at the end of saying that, he goes and he, he preaches this sermon, this this fiery, passionate sermon back in the 1700s, and he goes and he, he, he disrobes himself from his clergy robes, and underneath he has a, a uh, continental uniform, and he goes and he gets uh, several of his church members, I believe it was about 300, he enlisted to go and to, to sign up for the war, and he ends up going and, and becoming a general in the Continental Army. Just an incredible thing. They call him part of the Black Robe Regiment. Uh, but I always think of that when I think of this th this passage of Scripture, and there really is a time and a season for everything. And I'm not sure what time or season you're in in your life, but God has a plan for you in your life. And in order for you to complete that plan, you need to give a shout of grace, just as Zerubbabel had to do in order to go and to complete the temple. God said, this is how you're going to complete the temple. I know the foundation is laid, but you're going to complete it, and you're going to complete that work that I've given you with a shout of grace. Well, today, 
I want to look at a lesson that what was kind of a, a tough lesson to learn, and it's always a tough lesson to learn for everyone, but it is a, a lesson that needs to be learned. And that is that you need to find your approval or your vindication in God and not in people. You need to find your approval or vindication in God and not in people. You see, people will always complain. So look for God, God's opinion. With a simple Google search, you can find 50 people who agree with your opinion or your action, and you'll be able to find 50 people who disagree with your opinion or your action. And that's why it is absolutely vital to find your approval and vindication, not in people, but from God. You see, if you can't find your approval or your vindication in God, what's going to end up happening is that you're going to be like a a, a uh, you're you're going to be like chaff just blown about, just going in every direction, just just going whichever way the wind blows, because you're going to be seeking what does this person think of me? What does that person think of me? What does this person think of what I did? What does that person think of what I said? But that's not where you should look. You shouldn't look around. You should look up and see what does God think about what you're doing? What does God think about what you're saying? And this this lesson, though the idea of standing for the truth has, has never really been a, a, a major uh, lesson that I've had to learn, um, that, that's kind of been something that God has given me in my imprint, in my DNA, to go and to stand up and to speak out uh, and, and to not hide from, from public controversy or anything like that. But after going and really standing up and speaking out and going and taking quite a bit of heat sometimes, I mean, I'm, I'm just going to tell you, sometimes in my life, I've, I've taken quite a bit of heat when things get, get public. I remember uh, the first time really going and publicly standing out was in the midst of uh, Pride Fest that was going on in the area that I was living in. And what ended up happening was I called for a prayer meeting. You'd think that'd be normal for a pastor to call for a prayer meeting, right? Especially over a tenet of doctrine that has been uh, orthodox for 2,000 years. I mean, you, you know, J Jesus didn't change his doctrine on sexual uh, orientation or, or, or sexual uh, desire or anything like that. I mean, it says that, that he created them male and female. And of course, uh, that sexual relationship is supposed to be inside the bounds of marriage, which is between one man and one woman. I mean, it goes back much further than the 2,000 years uh, of Christianity from, uh, you know, the book of Acts, where, where God went and he built his church there, where Christ said, I'll build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. It goes clear back to the beginning of creation of mankind. I mean, this is the first institution that God goes and institutes. And so going and calling for a prayer meeting, I, I thought that was pretty much within the purview, especially for, like I said, an orthodox doctrine um, of a pastor to go and to do, but you'd never believe the backlash that we got. In fact, um, it was backlash that I was getting death threats from people out of state. I was getting death threats from people uh, in state. I uh, had people coming up to me, you, you know, going and saying, psst, psst, come over here. I want to tell you something here. You know, uh, look, let, let me show you this this message thread um, of people in, in, in Antifa going and saying, you know, we want to kill you. We want to bash your skull in was the direct quote, all this kind of stuff. And, and 
of course, one of the uh, the big things is too is that they don't just come after you. But uh, I had to ban my wife. Um, you know, I didn't actually click you know block or anything like that. But I had to tell her you can't go to my Facebook page because people were just saying mean and vile things about uh, my wife in any way because they're trying to go and to get a reaction from you. They're trying to go and let you know just how much they hate you, right? And my point in saying all that is not that oh. You know, I wasn't willing to stand for the truth, but after not getting much positive response from Christians, in fact, I had some Christians uh, go and, uh, you know, tell me, yeah, you deserved that. You deserved that. And I, and I mean, literally, we called for a prayer meeting. That's what we did. Called for a prayer meeting. And I had some other Christians go and uh, go and and call people who were uh, associated with with what I was doing and say, hey, you got to talk him out of doing this. I mean, th- this is this is just not a good thing. He should just be quiet. He should just be quiet. You know, people around, and it was the not necessarily the negative pushback, but the lack of positive uh, acceptance with this that sometimes it makes you go, huh. Should I keep speaking out? Should I keep doing what I'm supposed to be doing? And what was I doing? I was looking for approval from mankind. Now, God quickly corrected me and quickly brought me to a point of going and saying, no, 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 don't look at them, look at me. But I want to read a passage of Scripture here in 1 Samuel chapter 8, verses 1 through 10, where we see the same kind of a thing happen uh, on a much bigger scale than anything I faced and probably anything that you will face but it's the same principles. And this is uh, Samuel when he is rejected as judge over Israel, and the people of Israel cry out for a king. And it says this, Now it came to pass when Samuel was old that he made his sons judges over Israel. The name of the firstborn uh, was Joel, and the name of the second was Abijah, and they were judges in Beersheba. But his sons did not walk in his ways, and they turned aside after dishonest gain. They took bribes and perverted justice. Then all the elders of Israel gathered together and came to Samuel at Ramah, and they said unto him, Look, you're old, and your sons do not walk in your ways. Now make us a king to judge us like all the nations. But the thing displeased Samuel. And when they said, Give us a king to judge us. So Samuel prayed to the Lord, and the Lord said to Samuel, Heed the voice of the people. And all that they say to you, for they have not rejected you, but they have rejected me, that I should not reign over them, according to all the works which they have done, since the day that I brought them up out of Egypt, even to this day, with which they have forsaken me, and served other gods, so they are doing so to you also. Now therefore heed their voice, however, you shall solemnly forewarn them, uh, and show them the behavior of the king who will reign over them. So Samuel told all the words of the Lord to the people who asked for him for a king. Now, what I want you to see here is that God understood why Samuel was displeased. He says, look, Samuel, they haven't rejected you. They've rejected me. And you see, if you look for God's approval and not man's approval, when man doesn't approve of you, because you were seeking God's approval, God can come to you and say, look, they're not disapproving of you. They're disapproving of me. But if you're not looking for God's approval, 
if you're just looking for your own approval or somebody else's approval in your life or somebody else's approval or a different person over here's approval or all these people's approval when they become disapproved of you. God can't say they're rejecting me. You could just say, look, they're rejecting you because you're going and running every which way instead of looking up and asking what's my opinion of the matter. And that's not a way to live your life. And I know if you go back and you listen to the Proverbs um, series, we talked a lot about the fear of God. And uh, that's because the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Uh, Fools reject the fear of the Lord. But Matthew chapter 10, verse 28, I think it, it really encapsulates this idea here and brings this idea of the fear of the Lord together with what we're talking about today. And it says this, And do not fear those who kill the body, but cannot kill the soul, but rather fear him who is able to destroy both the soul and the body in hell. You see, the person, of course, who can destroy both the soul and the body in hell, that's God himself. That's what it's saying. And it's saying, look, fear, this is Jesus speaking, and he's saying, fear God. Fear God. That's what he's saying. And so you need to look for God's opinion in your life. You need to look for God's approval in your life. You need to look for God's vindication in your life because he's the ultimate say. He's the amen. He's the one who has the final word on the matter. And I just want to encourage you this morning to live your life and to learn this lesson that you live your life in such a way where you're seeking the approval of one and it's God himself. Because when you do that, that's number one, obviously, where we know if you're, if you're living your life for the approval of God, we're going to hear, well done, thou good and faithful servant. And that's the greatest uh, you, you know, approval that you can hear. That's the greatest attaboy that you can ever hear. But, but secondly, I just want you to realize there are heavenly rewards out there that are far superior and far outlast the earthly rewards. And you should seek them. And I know that there are actually Christians out there who care about what God thinks. And so if you're living your life for the approval of God, they're also going to come around you and they're going to approve you as well. God might just have you stand alone for a little while or feel like you're standing alone for a little while so that he can test and see, are you going to seek his approval or are you going to seek somebody else's approval? Well, thank you for listening today. And remember Joshua 1, 8, 9 as we depart. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night. You may observe to do according to all that is written in it, for then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. Have I not commanded you, be strong and have good courage. Do not be afraid, nor be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. And while we trust in Jesus, sometimes he leaves us waiting for his hand to move. But even in darkness, we hold to the promise There's nothing we can't overcome So that we